Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Into the Word of God. Can you turn to your neighbors, maybe next to you, behind you, in front of you, just say, hey, good to see you here today. Maybe if you're new, introduce yourself. And um, if you, if those of you that are streaming, if you want to go on that YouTube chat box and just say, hey, good Sunday, good to have you here, or amen, glad to be joining with you today. So feel free to do that for those of you that are joining us uh, via online. All right. There's like all kinds of conversations going on, right? Here we go. Let me open up with the question. Have you ever been in a desperate situation before? Have you ever been in a desperate situation before? Maybe for you, it felt like a life and death moment or situations that may have caused you to do something that was quite odd or even questionable, okay? Just by a show of hands, how many of you in here would say, you know what, I've been in that desperate situation before? Any of you? All right. Sam, would you come up and please share with us? No, just play. You know, I've definitely been in desperate situations in my life, you know. And many times, I can say that the cause of many of these desperations, situations, is one thing. It boils down to one thing. You know what it is? Food, okay? Ever been in a situation, right, where you were driving in your car and you wished that your car seat act as a toilet at the same time? Time. I know that doesn't sound good, but you know, those of you that know, you know what I'm talking about. You have a meal somewhere, it's delicious, right? You had a great time, maybe with friends and family, but the moment you start driving, you're going home, and it's like 30, 30 minutes away. Your stomach starts to act up, right? It's, it's growling, it's bubbling, right? And you start to get cold chills. It's a life and death situation. You don't know if you're going to make it or not. You're feeling desperate, so what do you do? You start praying like you've never prayed to God before in your life, right? You start making deals with God. God, if you just get me home, man, dude, God, I'll pray to you. I'll read my Bible, whatever it is. Maybe you're starting to confess and repent of your sins. Like, God, I'm so sorry. I know I messed up this week. Please let this go away or let me just arrive safely. You're clenching every muscle in your body. You're starting to speed, trying to beat every traffic light. You're doing everything you can. Why? Because you're feeling desperate. And as the saying goes, desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. You know, there's a woman in the Bible who was in a desperate situation. And her desperate situation caused her to take desperate measures. And so today, church, I would like for us to just dive into God's Word and to glean from her story today. So can we turn to Mark chapter 5? We'll be looking at verses 21 to 35. I'm sorry, that's 34. I have a typo on my notes here. Mark chapter 5, 21 to 34. Um, You can look up on the screen, um, or you can turn to your Bibles. And just follow along as I read this story for you. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 
to 35. This is what the Word of God states. He says, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she would get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Remember that phrase, pressing in on him. And then here it says in verse 25, a woman who had had hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this awesome day where we can gather together as the family of God to worship you, to be in your very presence, God, to hear from you, Lord. And that's our prayer today, God. We, we want to hear the message you want to convey to us. Would you speak to us today of your will and of yourself, God? And Lord, I pray that this message going forth, Lord, would truly edify us and ultimately, Lord, that you would be glorified. So, Lord, would you speak to us now, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, this woman's story is actually in the middle of another story, and it's a story of a desperate man. We won't dive into his story because we want to focus on the woman, but in the beginning or in the opening verses, it says that Jairus, a synagogue official, had a daughter on the brink of death, and being desperate and having seen Jesus, it says that he fell at the feet of Jesus and he implored, or another word is he begged him, he begged Jesus to come and to lay his hands on his daughter so that she can get well and live. So it says that Jesus goes off with the large crowd following him and pressing in on him to Jairus' house. And it's on his way to Jairus' house where we're invited into this woman's story. So we read in verses 25 and 26, let me read that for you one more time. It says, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had gotten worse. We see here that for 12 years, this woman was dealing with a chronic bleeding disorder of some kind, probably menstrual in nature. If you think about 12 years, it's a very, very long time. 
Okay, imagine having a condition from the moment you start elementary school all the way up to the point that you graduate high school. You know, I've been dealing with kidney stones for the past month, and it is painful. I do not want this to happen to anybody, all right? I just had a procedure done on Thursday. I'm still recovering. I still feel some stuff going on, and I don't like it. But this past month seemed very long to me. But in comparison to 12 years, it's nothing. It also states that this woman, in her desperation, spent all she had on physicians to heal her, but to no avail. It says that they only made her condition worse. She became bankrupt while her condition worsened. But when we see her condition, there's also other implications to it. You see, according to the Old Testament law, this woman was considered unclean due to her bleeding disorder. In Leviticus 15, 25, it states this. This is the law, the Old Testament law says, now if a woman has a discharge of her blood many days, not at a period of her menstrual impurity, or if she has a discharge beyond that period, all the days of her impure discharge, she shall continue as though in her menstrual impurity. She is unclean. One one implication we can get from this is this, is that she became a religious outcast. Because she was considered unclean, she was unable to participate in the religious festivities and the religious meetings and the religious activities. If you think about it, she was cut off from God and her faith community for 12 years. Not only was she a religious outcast, but another implication is that she became a social outcast. People stayed away from her because according to the law, anyone that came in physical contact with her would also become unclean. So knowing that she probably lost her friends, her family was probably avoiding her, she probably hasn't felt the loving embrace or a touch of anyone for 12 years. She had no human contact. She was isolated and she was alone. I like how one person put it. He said she was quarantined not for two weeks, but for 12 years. Can you imagine that? No contact with anybody, alone and isolated for 12 years. So you can imagine the state that this woman is in. She's completely broke, and she's completely broken. But church, she's not completely hopeless. You know, we read in verses 27 and 29, it states this, is after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Verse 29, immediately the flow of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. After hearing about what Jesus has been doing in chapters 1 through 5 in Mark, if if you go back and read it, man, Jesus is, it's it's action-packed. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, and this woman has heard about that. She knows the authority and the ability that Jesus has. So hearing about this, it says that in her desperation and faith, she takes a desperate measure. What does she do? She comes up behind Jesus and touches his cloak. 
But you know what, church? One thing we've got to understand is what, it's not as simple as it seems. It's not as, it's not as simple as just walking up and just touching somebody's cloak. You see, there was an obstacle that she had to overcome. And the obstacle was the crowd. Remember I told you when we read verse 20, 24, I said there's a large crowd following Jesus. And I said, remember that phrase? And they were pressing in on him. You see, that phrase, pressing in on, in the Greek, it can be translated as they were compressed. It was densely populated. It can also be translated as he was having crowds on all his side. He was smothered. It was jam-packed. People were just right next to him, and they're all brushing, brushing up against each other. This is opposite of social distancing, right? They're all up in each other's space. In order for this woman to go up to Jesus or even to get near to Jesus and to touch him, she's going to have to break through this obstacle of the crowd, this barrier that's surrounding around Jesus. But you see, the crowd is more than just a physical barrier. The crowd is also a mental barrier because of fear. Fear of what? Fear of her condition being exposed. Fear of how people are going to react, how people are going to respond if she is exposed. Remember what I shared with you, she's unclean. Anyone she comes in contact with becomes unclean. She's not supposed to be around and about with people. She's not, to, she's not supposed to be in close proximity with others because she's considered unclean at this moment. It's kind of like cooties, right? Growing up, you got cooties, like, hey, man, stay away from me. You got cooties. If I touch you, you're going to give me cooties. That's kind of like that, but, but one million times worse, right? So she may have been anxious. She may have been fearful that if she was exposed, that people would rebuke her. They might yell at her. Even Jesus might rebuke her for doing what she wasn't supposed to do, which was what? Coming in close contact and touching Jesus. So this crowd was an obstacle that she had to overcome in order to draw near to Jesus and to, and to touch him. I want to ask us a question. What obstacles in our lives hinder or even deter us from coming to Jesus? Is it fear of others, how others may perceive us, what others may think of us? Is it our sin is it our shame? Maybe because of our sin, we feel so shameful to come to Jesus. God, I sinned again, the same sin. I'm so embarrassed. I can't come to you. Is it our busyness, our idolatry? Other things in our lives are taking precedent over Jesus. Is it our resentment? Is it our bitterness? Is it discouragement or doubt? What obstacles are you and I facing in our lives today that might be hindering us and deterring us from coming to Jesus? Something for us to maybe reflect upon, and I want to give us an opportunity. It's a sneak peek later on. We'll have that opportunity to reflect. But as we read, it says, but in her desperation, the woman overcomes this obstacle in order to touch Jesus, right? And her desperation this time around paid off. Verse 29, it says that the moment this woman touched Jesus, immediately she felt in her body that she was completely healed. 
church, I just want to pause here because I see a picture of the gospel at this moment. You know, Jesus takes upon this woman's impurity and he gives her his life. Remember, anything, anything or anyone that touched this woman who was deemed, uh, deemed unclean would become unclean or impure. So the moment that this woman touches Jesus, she transfers her impurity to him. But as she does that, Jesus transfers his cleansing power and his life to this woman. You know, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, Jesus took upon our impurities. Jesus took upon our sins when he went on that cross so that you and I can be righteous in Christ. Amen, church. That's good news. That's the gospel. But you know what? This woman wasn't the only one who noticed that something powerful and miraculous has taken place. We read in verses 30 and 32, it says, Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who has done this. When the woman touched Jesus, Jesus recognized that power has gone out from him. So he turns around to the crowd and he asks, who touched my garments? His disciples are baffled. They're perplexed at this question, saying, Jesus, are you serious? You see all these people, they're crowding you, man. There's a gang of people touching you and you're asking us, who touched my garments? Pretty much everyone that's near you is touching your garment or is touching you. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew that someone who had reached out in faith and touched him. This was different. So Jesus looks around to see the woman who has done this. You know, while reading, studying, and meditating on part of this passage, I came upon a revelation and a reminder. Let me share that with you. Here's the revelation. We can be in the presence of God and not encounter him. We can be in the presence of God and not encounter him. We can be in his presence without experiencing his power, his presence, or his touch. You know, you and I, we can meet week after week. We can gather at church. We can be in his very presence and leave without encountering Jesus in our lives. You know, this is true for me too, and God really, you know, really challenged me in this where every Sunday I come and say, God, I want to encounter you today. I want to encounter you today. I don't want to just come to church and just do my thing, but Lord, I want to encounter you today because I need a fresh new touch from Jesus every single time. Amen, church. We can be in the very presence of God, but not encounter him. You see, in this crowd, there's a lot of people with Jesus. There's a lot of people in the presence of Jesus, but there's only one person who has encountered Jesus, and it was the woman who reached out in desperation and faith that encountered Jesus. Remember, Jesus is just passing through. He's on his way to Jairus' house to touch his daughter so that she can be made well and live. He's just passing through. But this woman hearing of Jesus that he's passing through said, nah, I'm not going to let Jesus just pass me by. 
I'm not going to let Jesus just pass me by today. I'm going to go because I'm desperate and I have faith in what he can do. I'm going to reach out, break through every obstacle and every barrier that I face so I can encounter Jesus. I want to encourage you, church, every time we gather, every time we worship, may we come with that heart and attitude. See, I don't want to just show up. I want to encounter Jesus today. Amen, church. I think our services would be different if every time we all came with the same heart, same mind, saying, Jesus, we want to encounter you today. That's the revelation. Now let me share with you the reminder. We know that Jesus is the one who seeks after us. You know, we read in Scripture that he came down to seek and save the lost. We also read in Scripture that he leaves the 99 to find out one lost. We also read in Scripture that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking to strengthen someone whose hearts are fully committed to him. In Revelation, we read about Jesus being the one knocking on the door of our hearts. And for, the, for those of us that are taking SF21, we learn what? That it's God who pursues a loving relationship with us. We know that Jesus is the one who seeks after us, but the reminder was that he's also the one who wants to be sought after. Jesus is also the one who wants to be sought after. The Bible says in James 4, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, he says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Jesus is the one who seeks after us, but he's also the one who wants to be sought after. As the woman sought after Jesus, we see here that Jesus is seeking after her. You know, as Jesus is looking around to see the woman who touched him, we read in verse 33, it says, but the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Having experienced this miraculous healing, and now in awe of Jesus, when it says in trembling and fear, it's talking about her being in awe of his power and authority. Now that she's in awe of him, she falls down before Jesus publicly in front of everybody, and it says that she tells him the whole truth. She probably tells Jesus about the condition she's been dealing with 12 years of her life. She's probably telling Jesus of how she was trying to be incognito, secretly trying to come behind him, you know, to go unnoticed to touch his clothes. She's telling the whole truth. She's letting him know. But here there's nothing for this woman to be ashamed of nor to be fearful of when telling Jesus the whole truth. In church, there's nothing for you and I to be ashamed of and to be fearful of, to come before Jesus in humility and honesty, coming before him and letting him know the whole truth. Why? Because look at how Jesus responds to this woman as she tells him the whole truth. Verse 34, this is the last one. He says this, he says, daughter, he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. As this woman is coming before Jesus in humility, in all honesty, being very open and vulnerable and transparent to him, 
Jesus addresses her as daughter. You know, maybe the expectation of all the people that are around her, knowing of what has taken place, knowing that she was unclean, they may have expected Jesus to rebuke her, to say, why did you do that? You're not even supposed to be here. Why are you even touching me? You're unclean. He doesn't respond in that way. Rather, he calls her daughter and he affirms her. He's compassionate towards her. This is a word of endearment. You think about it. She's been isolated and alone for 12 years. When's the last time that this woman has heard a word of endearment, a greeting of endearment? And you know what the crazy thing is? In all of the Gospels, this is the only time that Jesus addresses someone as daughter. You can't find it anywhere else in the Gospels. This is the only time that Jesus addresses someone as daughter. He's telling her, he's telling her, everyone has rejected you. Everyone is avoiding you. But I welcome you into my family. I welcome you. I love you. He affirms her. Jesus also commends the woman for her faith. He says that her faith, your faith, her faith in Jesus made her well. The phrase here, made her well, in the Greek is the word sozo. And if you read scripture in the Greek, the sozo, it's used interchangeably sometimes. It can be used as physical healing, restoration, preservation of life. And sometimes sozo is also referring to salvation. Someone is being saved. And I believe Mark is using this word here, sozo, in reference to both her physical healing as well as her spiritual salvation. You know, what's one amazing thing about this story, church, is this. Jesus is again on his way to heal the daughter of Jairus, a synagogue official. Being a synagogue official, Jairus was probably well-known, well-regarded, well-respected in the community. People looked up to him. Being a synagogue official, he probably had some wealth, too. He had some money. But on this day, a nameless a poor, a rejected, lonely woman encounters Jesus. This is God's abounding grace. His grace is for everyone and anyone. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you're at. His grace is for you. On this day, because of her desperation and faith, because she was desperate enough and had faith in Jesus, she reached out and she touched Jesus. She had an encounter with him. And in her encounter with Jesus, she was physically healed, she was saved, she was affirmed and welcomed into the family of God. And in closing, I want to say this, church, or not say, but I want to ask a question again. I have a lot of questions, I know. I have questions because I like to reflect. I like to reflect a lot of times. So I ask a lot of questions. But the question I want to ask you today is this. What are you desiring of Jesus today? What are you desiring of Jesus today? Pastor Scott's been teaching us on this series of, of renovation of the heart. And maybe you're saying, 
Today, I want my heart to be renovated. Today, I want God to rekindle my love, my passion for him again. Today, I want God to renovate my intimacy, my relationship with him. Maybe you're saying, my desire today is I want to have that fresh encounter with Jesus. It's been a long time. It's been a while. Spiritually, I've been dry. Spiritually, I've been dead. Spiritually, I'm just like, I'm trying to survive. Maybe you're saying today, I want to encounter Jesus afresh again. Or maybe you're wanting your marriage to be renovated. Or maybe you need help with a personal struggle or a battle that you're facing in your life. Maybe it's a desire for God to move on the behalf of your loved one, whether it's their physical health, their mental health, their emotional health, or more, maybe it's their salvation. They don't know Jesus yet. Maybe for some of us here today, we're desiring God to provide us with a baby, wanting to conceive, but it's been so challenging and it's been so hard. What is it that you're desiring of Jesus today? Now, the other question I want to ask you is, are you desperate enough? Are you desperate enough to reach out in faith like this woman did to encounter Jesus? You see, desire is just a strong feeling of want. That's what a desire means. But desperation will cause you and I to respond in action to reach out and to take desperate measures. You see, it wasn't the woman's desire that compelled her to go to Jesus. Rather, it was her desperation and faith in Jesus to do so. In no way am I saying today, Jesus is gonna give you whatever you desire, whatever you're desperate for. That's not what I'm saying today. But unless God does something or unless he says otherwise, I wanna encourage us, why don't we cry out to God in desperation? Why don't we reach out to Jesus in desperation and faith today? Amen, church. Can I have the worship team up here? You know, one thing that I would love for us to do today is to just respond and to apply. I don't want to give you a message and say, hey, go home and try it out. One thing that's really been on my heart is every time I gather, when I share, why don't we try it out together now? Why don't we come to Jesus today and call, call out to him in desperation and in faith and seek him for whatever it is that you and I are desperate for? You know, I was so tempted as I was preparing this message, I was kind of reminded of kind of the, 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 the old days when, man, when we're desperate, we used to cry out Jesus like loud. I don't know if you guys are from that church background or church history, but we used to call out Jesus three times out loud. We used to cry out, Julia, because we're so desperate. Sometimes when I'm in prayer, that's the only thing I can say because I just need God. I'm just crying out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to cry out, Jesus, and Julia three times. <laughs> I was tempted. I won't do that. But I would like for us to come before God in humility and honesty. I'd like for us to just cry out to him in our own way of the things that we're desperate for, the things that we're desiring of him.
But before we do that, can I ask you to reflect on something? Remember I asked you in the beginning or the part of the sermon, what are the obstacles in your life that is deterring you and hindering you from coming to Jesus? Think about that first. So I'm going to give you like a minute or so. Just reflect upon that. Maybe you don't know. Ask God. You know, I was practicing this this week. I was practicing this last night. I'm like, God, what is it? God revealed some things to me. I was repenting. I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I see that, Lord. So I want you to do that right now. Spend some time to just reflect. What are the obstacles in my life right now that is deterring me and hindering me from coming to Jesus? What is that? Take some time to reflect. Ask God to help you to process that. I know it's not a lot of time, but let's, let's practice that. God is revealing to you what that obstacle or what those obstacles are, just bring that to him and just confess that to him. Say, Jesus, God, I bring this to you. Thank you for revealing this to me. God, I bring this obstacle to you, Lord. I bring it to you. God, I'm sorry. Lord, help me. Help me. Bring that obstacle to Jesus at this moment. Just confess that to him. in your own way you can stand if you want you can sit if you want you can kneel if you want you can raise your hands you can fold your hand you can fold your hands you can lift up your voice you can raise it you can be silent in whatever way now what I want us to do is to come to God in desperation and faith let's call out to him and just bring to him whatever it is that's on our hearts and we desire of Jesus today is it restoration in your relationship with God? Is it rekindling of passion and intimacy with Him? Is it a fresh new touch from Jesus? Is it a marriage that needs to be reconciled? Is it a, a miracle that you're praying for? What is it that you're desperate for? Let's come to Jesus in desperation and faith. Let's call out to God right now. Let's bring that before Him. Let's do that, church. Heavenly Father, we come before you.
goodness, God, we want a fresh new encounter with you, Jesus. We don't want to just come and show up and just do our thing, Lord, and leave. God, we don't want to be in your presence and allow you to pass us by. No, we want to tug on you. We want to hold on to you. God, we want a fresh new touch from you, Lord Jesus, and we pray for that today, God. We pray that you rekindle passion, desire in us. We pray for revival in our souls. We pray for revival, a hunger and thirst for you, and a hunger and thirst for righteousness, God. We pray that you will stir our hearts with your spirit, God, that we're people who live by faith, not by sight, God. God, we we pray, we stand in the gap for those that are praying for miracles. We pray for the marriages, God. We pray for reconciliation and healing, God. We pray for those that are battling addiction and personal battles. We pray for deliverance, God. We pray for those that are sick, Lord, physically. We ask for healing. We ask for your touch, God. We pray that they will encounter you, Lord. We pray for the lost souls, God, of our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our coworkers, our bosses, God. Those around the world, we pray for salvation, God. We cry out in desperation and in faith, Lord. Because we know that you're God who is all-powerful, almighty. We know that you're God who is affirming and loving. We know that you're God who is moved by compassion. And so we pray for these things, God. We pray these things to you, Lord. And with our eyes closed, I'd like to ask another question. And the question is this, is there anyone in this room You've been praying, you've been praying and say, man, I would love to be able to pray with somebody. Or I would love the opportunity for someone to just pray for me. It's been a little hard, it's been a little bit difficult. I can use some of those reinforcements. Saying, man, I would love to be prayed for today. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick and say, man, I, I would really love to be prayed for today. You just raise it up high so I know if there's any of you that is in need of prayer today. One more time, if there's anybody who say, man, I would love that prayer today. If that's you, please feel free to raise your hand. If not, it's okay. I want to remind you, church, that we do have a prayer team at Rooftop who prays for you so faithfully. They're interceding for your requests. They're interceding for this church and for each of you. I believe every day there's someone on the team that's praying for you. Anytime you need requests, anytime you need prayers, please feel free to reach out to John Beck. He's our prayer team director and say, John, can you and your team please keep me in prayer? Amen, church? Amen. At this time, we're going to go into an offering to receive his tithes in our offerings. And for those of you that are streaming in or, or for those of you even here, um, again, you can go on our website to give. 